Hey, it's Chris. Welcome to the podcast. This is the Apple Watch Ultra and AirPods 2 delivery date for me. Anyways, I see other people have already posted some videos, so uh, certainly won't be the first to have these in hand, but it's always a fun day when these things show up, right? This is like <laughs> the greatest part of liking Apple stuff. It's almost like when they first arrive. I think we all know that feeling when it's delivery day and you're checking like, okay, who's delivering? Is it FedEx, UPS? Mm, okay, what time do they usually show up? You know, you just can't wait. And then you get it and then it's like all the fun's over almost. Not quite, but I'm really looking forward to it. I was actually at the Apple store the other day and there was an employee there who was telling me that he had seen the Ultra in person and because uh, as you can imagine, he said, you know, it's not like we just get it the day of, you know, when it goes on sale. And I said, well, what's it like? And he said, it's not as bulky as you would think. It's also not as heavy as you would think, which is very interesting. So I cannot wait to get my hands on it. Speaking of going into the Apple store, uh, the reason that I went in was to do a trade-in. I was trading in two phones that I had gotten uh, from T-Mobile, actually, because that's who I have service with. And I was on the jump plan, which if you're not a T-Mobile customer, or even if you are, maybe you never heard of it. It's just that plan that I think I've described on the podcast before that lets you just kind of upgrade your phone like once a month whenever you want to, which I never ended up doing and wanted to get out of anyways. And I had gotten on that plan a long time ago before uh, Apple had ever made contact and was just going to send some phones anyways. So um, every year I'm like, it's just pointless. I, I, I got to get off of this thing. Uh, what am I paying for? I had two lines, uh, you know, the actual line I wasn't even going to use. It was just going to be like for trading in phones to talk about, you know, back in the day, it was a way to get them cheaper uh, than having to just buy them outright all the time. And I never was the, the kind of person who would buy something and return it, like just to cover it. Uh, that just never felt right to me. So, so yeah, I, um, I paid those uh, phones off just in full because you know, I had like six months left it's like an 18 month agreement when you do the jump thing. I had like six months left and I don't know what the payments were like 30 a month or something. And it had like the payout amount. And I don't remember what it was like 200 something, you know, around that for each phone. It's like, okay, it's going to cost around 400 just to pop off of here. Well, no, actually um, can't go into all the details or don't want to. <laughs> it's not fun to listen to anyways, but it was like double that. So it ended up being like closer to a thousand uh, to actually pay those off and get off the jump lease program. Um, which was a pain, but but did that. And uh, so then I owned the, the two phones outright, uh, which is the 13 Pro and the 13. And so I want to trade them in, obviously. So I did the official Apple trade-in. And uh, I initiated that online. And you probably have done that too. Maybe you go in and it's like, well, what kind of phone? Is it in decent shape? And, uh, you know, if it kind of gives you like an estimate, okay. And then it shoots you an email and you can take it into like a FedEx uh, to mail it back to Apple. And then you wait a little bit for them to assess it and whatever. Um, and then you can either actually use that to like trade in for a new device or you can get a gift card. And I was after the gift card. So, um, I think I got the max amount for the 13 pro, which was 600, which is great. I mean, this is one of the benefits of Apple stuff is it really retains a lot of value and whether it's Apple or, you know, like gazelle or whoever you are going to try to get some money, uh, for it from, yeah, I mean, it's your, your devices remain worth something for, for quite a while. So anyways, um, yeah, it was like 600 for that. And I think I got 475 or 65 or something like that for the regular 13 and uh, really, really awesome, uh, employee there helping me out. Um, shout out to that employee and they recognized me from the channel. Um, and they were showing me some stuff. First of all, uh, I noticed their iPhone case for their new iPhone 14 pro. I think, I think they had a pro. Yeah. And I was like, Hey, is that the new orange leather? Or I guess it's not new orange. Maybe, maybe it is, maybe it isn't, but the orange leather. 
And he's like, yeah. And I was like, can I check that out? And man, it looks so good uh, in person. I saw it online and I was thinking about getting it this year, that orange leather case for the iPhone. I ended up going with uh, the black because I have uh, the the black, uh, space black iPhone this year. So I kind of kept it all the same, but I kind of regret it. That orange is like awesome. It's really cool. Uh, so shoot. And plus, I'm getting the uh, Ultra here, and one of the first bands that's going to get delivered is that new, is it the Alpine strap? I don't know, the orange strap. And I haven't compared the two. I don't know if they like are similar, the Apple leather uh, iPhone case in, in that strap. I don't know. But I really liked it. So um, I have absolutely nothing bad to say about um, trading in. I, I should say, I, I got the the FedEx you know QR code or whatever to go take it to a FedEx, and they would like pack it and ship it or whatever. But then I was like, well, there's an Apple store here, I you know, surely I can just go drop it off. So I called and, and someone was like, yeah, you can just drop it off. So I did. I'd never done that before. And it was awesome. Great experience. So much better than having to wait, uh, you know, for Apple to assess it or the third party that they would use or whatever to assess it and, and get you your credit. Seamless, flawless experience, friendly. And that is kind of in contrast to my whole kind of experience with T-Mobile. T-Mobile, sometimes the customer service is really good. And I can tell they've been trained in a way that they didn't used to be. I've been a customer long enough uh, to be extra friendly or to to pretend to be extra friendly, at least. But friendliness or attempted friendliness does not good customer service equal necessarily. So I don't know. Just I, I don't. I hate when people just sit here and complain. But I, I got like kicked off several calls. Had to call back several times. Um, and was put on hold for like forever for people to check stuff. That oh shoot, we can't do that. And then I call back and like the next person. Oh yeah, we can do that. Uh, so really unfortunate. Um, with with the jump thing. But but then I got that taken care of. Hung up. Got my new iPhone. Like activated number transferred over. Well, that was the next step. Anyways, getting it transferred over. So you know the new. Uh, pros have that eSIM set up right. Should have been a piece of cake with T-Mobile ended up not being a piece of cake. <laughs> I don't know what wrong, but uh, when I called back for like the 12th time that day, um, you know, someone was friendly but couldn't help and then had to transfer me to somebody who was like a specialist and uh, immediately they were like very, that person was super helpful at that level technical person and just like okay do this do this this. oh i haven't seen that issue since you know iphone 6s or something why don't you just try this like nice experienced got it solved uh but wow i don't envy anybody else having to go through that couple interesting things uh to talk about today and then i want to talk about a news article i saw um, having to do with the iphone 14 pro's 48 megapixel camera some weirdness surrounding that. I'm not talking about the TikTok, you know, bug where it was jumping around. But first, uh, let's just mention um, a couple of latest videos. My seven reasons that Apple Watch Ultra isn't just for adventurers and the AirPods Pro 2 are not what you think. Those two videos have really done very well. Um, maybe I could say as expected, but you can't ever expect anything as a YouTuber. You just don't know. You could just pour your heart and soul into something and it flops which happened immediately after those two videos. I did a how pro is the iPhone 14 pro video. And uh, yeah, it, it just flopped. It got lots of watch time, above average watch time. It started out, you know, it, the stats were telling me it was going to do really good. And then it just tanked. And I don't know why. It seemed weird. It seemed artificial. Maybe not. It got really good uh, comments. People were saying like, I, I love your style of content here. Uh, this is super insightful. Uh, but, but the video is just like, no one 
ended up watching it after the initial, I don't know, seven hours or something. It just like fell flat. And uh, to the point where I actually ended up unlisting it because, you know, we have some sponsors or potential sponsors. And, and one thing that potential sponsors do, which bugs me, but it's something that they they try to quantify the value they're going to get. And they'll do something like average the views of your last 10 videos, um, which ends up being dumb because we don't consider every video that we do something to be sponsored in the first place. Um, we know some subjects are going to get more interest than others, etc. And also there's the balance of like not wanting to annoy the audience and stuff. So all these different factors uh, that brands don't consider. But uh, I, I ended up unlisting it because like no one was watching it anyways. It's so weird. It started off really, really, really strong and just died. Uh, so that video is no longer accessible. What a shame. Because it does me no good to keep it up there if it looks bad in a way. Isn't that sad? Put all that work into it. And then that happened. So the next video that, that came out was my uh, unexpected M2 iPad Pro rumors. Hide your wallet. Because of course there's an iPad event rumored to be happening next month here in October. So kind of talked about that. If you haven't seen it uh, and you like iPad stuff, go check it out. But it's funny. Um, there's really this this feeling out there in Apple YouTube land that people, they're kind of like cooling on the idea of the iPad. Like the Pro in particular, it really does need more than just an iterative update to start, you know, feeling worth it compared to the Mac right now. The the Mac is just killing it, crushing it. When Apple started paying attention to Macs again here a while back and really got serious about them again instead of ignoring them, they went just like overboard with uh how just solid of a of a device that they're putting out there now. And the iPad is just it's not changing enough. It needs something else to give it more of an identity than what it is. I don't think we're going to see that this year based on the rumors. I would love to see that. One of the things I would love to say, see is a huge iPad. I said a long time ago, I wanted a 27 inch that sits on the desk. That's touchable that you, you can use Apple pencil with. A lot of people are like, well, just 16 would be good. 14, 15, that'd be good. Which would, that'd be interesting. But something, we need something. So anyways, if you're wondering what the something could be, um, we discussed that in that video too. So go check it out. That video is still live. Oh, and uh, before we get to the other stuff, um, I gotta say, there's a few things when I got the new phone that I went back through and just like redid, rethought about. Obviously the focus modes. I'm the kind of person who could just tinker around with stuff like forever. I don't know if that's you also, <laughs> but uh, I... I just got rid of deleted everything and started from scratch and uh but if i feel like it was worth it though because i'm feeling like that's really going to help increase uh my productivity and help my time be more well spent on the iphone and i also went through and just took a look at my reminders for me i always have my email inbox under control always pretty aware of what's in there keep things sorted out. I'm not one of those people that has like 10 million email notifications in the little red bubble but that is the opposite of how my <laughs> inbox, I guess you call it an inbox for my Apple Reminders app is. That thing's just flooded with stuff that I that I always kind of ignore, never check in with, and it just, uh, it needs to get weeded out. I'll just say that. And uh, so I did that. That feels good too, to get that back under control because of course you can spend so much time in all of these. And a lot of this is what I'm gonna be talking about in the last third of my course. Um, Apple productivity stuff. Uh, I went through and I just deleted a bunch of apps that I didn't need or want, just superfluous stuff. A normal person probably has like a bunch of apps anyways that they don't end up using, but I've featured a bunch of apps that I've had to download to demonstrate and stuff. Then they're just sitting on the phone still. Uh, stuff always seems like a really cool idea and then you check it out and it's like, yeah, it is cool, but but 
this is that vitamins and painkillers discussion all over again. Needs versus wants versus the time you have to do anything. I am still getting used to the always on display. I'm just kind of spouting off things um, off the top of my head here as, I, as I'm looking at my phone. But, uh, you know, it, it's not as bright as you would think it would be. And I know there's all these little tweaks and changes that people are making. Um, I see some people are just trying to, they're obsessed with making it just purely black and white, like monochrome. Um, some people are doing the dimming option because they just don't like it. They want to get it um, as close to as back to the way it was as before. But overall, um, pretty happy with this phone. But one of the biggest reasons to get the Pro, and in the past, sometimes the Max, but I don't think that's the case this year, is for the camera. And what I mean by that is, uh, you know, in the past, there's been a differentiation even between the 14 Pro and the 14 Pro Max. But 9to5Mac had an interesting article from Ben Lovejoy, and the title was iPhone 14 Pixels, Why the 48 Megapixel Sensor is Not the Big Camera News This Year. And of course, uh, you know, that is something that Apple's been touting. They've been saying 48 megapixel sensor. And of course, even Samsung has been taking aim at that because they're like, hey, we have like more than double that on uh, one of our phones. So, but it's funny. Um, ben actually makes some really interesting points here. He says that of the four biggest changes this year, that 48 megapixel sensor is to him at least the least important. So, for instance, for him, he's saying the sensor size, the pixel binning, and the photonic engine matter more than that 48 megapixels in terms of you know importance when you're making your purchase. Um, there's a lot of interesting detail in the article itself, but one of the main points that he makes here is that only the main camera module has a 48 megapixel sensor and the other two still have 12 megapixel uh, sensors. So it's not like whatever lens you end up using is gonna use and hit that 48 megapixel sensor, which is the technical reality, but isn't exactly what it seems like from the marketing you know uh you know so apple said that for the first time ever the pro lineup features a new 48 megapixel main camera with a quad pixel sensor etc etc so they did say that it's a 48 megapixel main camera so it's not talking about the telephoto and the ultra wide and they said that but when they, uh, you know, talk about the camera specs, you know, in the ads and the website and stuff, 48 megapixels is, is a big thing that they're stressing. And most people aren't going to put that together. Now, here's, it gets even more interesting. So he goes on to say, even when you are using the main camera with its 48 megapixel sensor, you're still only shooting 12 megapixel photos by default. So Apple points out that for most photos, the quad pixel sensor combines every four pixels into one large quad pixel. So the upshot is that the only time you end up shooting in 48 megapixels is when the following three conditions are met. You're using the main camera, not the telephoto or the wide angle. You're shooting in pro raw, which is off by default. Keep that in mind. And you're shooting a decent light. So it gets even more interesting because he goes on to explain that Apple's approach actually does make some sense. Like, why would you give us the 48 megapixels, he says, and then mostly not use it? Well, what he says is that, and he's probably a, more of an expert here than me, so I'm gonna let him say it, is that there are actually, in truth, very few occasions when shooting 48 megapixels is better than shooting 12. Well, think about it. When you do that, you're creating much bigger files. It's gonna eat up your storage, et cetera, et cetera, but uh, there are some times when he says you do want to use that. Number one, if you intend to print the photo in the large size, that would be an obvious way to 
there are uh, time to do that. And also, if you need to crop that image very heavily, sort of like when a YouTuber might shoot in 8K, even though they're going to output, you know, their actual video for YouTube in 4K, but that lets them crop in, you know, two times without losing any resolution. Kind of like that. But then again, if you're going to be cropping, you could just use the 3X camera anyways, right? <laughs> when you take the picture in the first place. So just frame it how you want, you know. I guess options are good though. So then you could talk about the sensor size. So obviously um, a phone, it's it's limited in its space. And generally when you have a bigger sensor, whatever the camera, it's gonna equal better image quality. But because of the smartphone's limited size, you know, it's just not gonna have the biggest sensor in the world compared to something like a DSLR. And of course, for the super nerds out there, uh, there's a limited depth on the sensor as well. That's a whole different thing. But the type of sensor that you can stick into a smartphone is why it has a lot to do with why you don't end up with a really nice shallow depth of field effect. Also why, as uh, is pointed out in the article, iPhone has come out with an artificial portrait mode and cinematic video mode uh, for your photos and videos. So bigger sensor, good. And traditionally Apple has had bigger sensors than other brands over the years, but also bigger pixels, good. And this is where you get into the difference between uh, your, your Samsung and your Apple approach, where Apple has really just kept sticking with that 12 megapixels. You have Samsung just cramming as much as they can into that 108 megapixel sensor. And so, you know, Apple, uh, you know, as, a, as someone who shoots a lot of video, you can notice, especially in dark areas, uh, noise. It drives you nuts if, if you're doing anything professional. And low light um, scenarios are just going to bring you more noise and when you have, uh, when you squeeze a lot of pixels into that tiny sensor, you're just going to increase your noise. And that's what happens in a low light scenario with those Samsung, if you were to compare. This is a long article, by the way, <laughs> and I'm skipping a lot um, because I'm just trying to hit the most interesting parts. But but now uh, you get into like why the larger sensor and the pixel binning and that photonic engine are such a big deal, maybe more of a big deal than that 48 megapixel sensor. So on the 14 Pro Max, you get a 65% larger main camera sensor than in the last model. Compare that to a standalone camera, still not a huge deal, but in the smartphone smartphone world, that's a pretty big thing. Blah, I'm not having trouble talking today because I haven't had my Nitro yet. My uh, wife, to get off topic here, gave me uh, a new shipment uh, as a surprise of some Verve Nitro. And it has to get shipped especially i think it comes from california you know it's like a flash frozen nitro or something and the little cans have to be packed and it's you know this crazy uh cool packaging you know to keep it chilled and the shipping's like as, as expensive as the coffee or more than that so it's like drinking liquid gold to me any anytime it shows up and uh, it's also going to be my reward for having recorded this so uh the point on that 65 percent larger sensor is uh, to put it in the article's phrasing, if Apple squeezed four times as many pixels into a sensor only 65% larger, that would actually give worse quality, which is exactly why you'll mostly still be shooting 12 megapixels for most of your images. Which brings us to pixel binning. If you don't know what that is, whenever Apple has you shooting that, that 12 megapixels, um, it's using a pixel binning technique, which means that the data from four pixels gets converted into one virtual pixel. So it kind of averages out the values of the different pixels. So your 48 megapixel sensor kind of gets used 
as a larger 12 megapixel. So without waiting even further into the unnecessary details, let's just say most Android phones um, have pixels that measure somewhere between 1.1 to 1.8 microns. The iPhone 14 Pro Max, when using that sensor in the 12 megapixel mode, effectively has pixels measuring 2.44 microns, which is a really significant improvement, as Ben points out. So without that pixel binning, that 48 megapixel sensor would basically end up being a downgrade most of the time. And then there's a, that photonic engine, which is the computational side of things. It's basically Apple's image capture pipeline. So it used to be that Apple's just had only that deep fusion going on, which really helps with the d dynamic range in photos. So, uh, you know, it thinks about like which shadow should be brought out uh, and which highlight needs to be tamed, you know? So that that's the software side of it, which really doesn't have as much to do with the hardware, although they work in tandem. Does that make sense? Really appreciated that uh, breakdown by, by Ben Lovejoy there at 9to5Mac. Worth reading uh, for all the extra details if you really want to understand the camera better and what you're paying for. All right, that is it. Nitro for me, newsletter for you. That's coming out uh, also today. So if you're not signed up, get signed up. It's linked up in the show notes. And if you'd like to get some new wallpaper for your devices so they don't look like everybody else who just ordered their <laughs> new iPhones or already has an iPhone, you can check out the Daily Tech Wallpaper Pack. That's linked up in the description. Sign up for that productivity course notification so you know when it launches. Uh, YouTube, as I've discussed, does not show everybody every video that I make. So when that actually comes out, um, I want to make sure that you're able to know about it if you want to know about it. So that's linked up too. And I'll catch you guys in the next video. Later.